Well, amen. I hope you stand redeemed this morning. If you don't, you can be. Know Jesus Christ as your Savior. So take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. If you would, please stand for the reign of God's Word if you're able to. Uh, Sunday mornings we've been preaching through a series that we've titled, For His Namesake. For His Namesake. And actually, this, uh, there's a, been a part of me did not really wanted to preach this message, it just, but the Lord's just been kind of working on me and trying to work on my heart. So maybe this message is not for you, but it's for me. Amen? And uh, so I need this, this probably this morning more than anybody. Philippians chapter 1. We'll begin reading verse 19. It says, For I know that this shall return to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I wot not. For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ, not only as to believe on Him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which ye saw in me and now here to be in me. Verse 29 says, For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. I like to preach a message that I've titled, Keeping the Testimony of Christ for His Name's Sake. And let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. Truly, Lord, there's a need of the testimony of Christ to be preserved and maintained in the light of all that's taken place in our world today. Lord, truly, we as Christians need to be that witness and testimony. Lord, we need to shine brighter than we've ever shined before because of the darkness. Lord, we need to be a greater witness than we ever had before because of the wickedness. Lord, we need to get the gospel out so that souls might be saved in these last days. We thank you, Lord, for the Word of God, and we ask now that you'd meet with us this morning. Lord, if there's someone here, under the hearing of the Word of God, I pray that they'd get saved today if they're not saved. And Lord, I pray that Jesus Christ would be magnified, and Lord, that you'd be glorified in all that's said and done. For this we ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. You see seated. Paul was in prison, and he was preaching for preaching the gospel. I mean, he was trying to do what was right, and, and he was preaching the gospel. He winds up in prison. Now he's writing unto the Philippians here who are 
And actually, Paul was persecuted there when he was trying to preach at Philippi and trying to get the Word of God out and trying to uh, see souls saved and, and, and get the gospel out. And, and now he's in prison and he's writing back to the Philippians because they're going through somewhat of the same persecution that he did when he was there trying to get the gospel out. And he's trying to encourage them and trying to strengthen them and, and trying to get them to look at, at things from the right perspective. You see, uh, he realized that, though, that those who had placed him in this situation, put him in prison, thought that if we can stop him, if we can put him in prison, that maybe he'll deny his faith or maybe he will uh, do something that will bring a reproach upon this faith that he's preaching. Therefore, it'll cause people to turn away from it. You see, they wanted to change the way that people look at Jesus Christ. Folks, it's no different today than it was then. And this world is trying to get you and I to turn from Jesus Christ and to do damage to His testimony. Paul said there in, in verse 12 of that same chapter, and begin verse 12, he says, But I would that ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happen unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord wax confident by my bonds as are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see, sometimes there are things in life that are going to test your resolve. Going to test where you're going to stand. Going to see how true you are to what you say you believe. Going to see how you're going to stand when the difficulties come. Paul said, you know what, what they thought that they would do is stop me and stop the gospel. He said, but because I've handled it correctly, it's become a furtherance of the gospel. More people's hearing the gospel. More people are open to the gospel. And it's caused others to, be, uh, to, have, to go out with more boldness to, to preach the word of God and to get the word of God out to the lost world. He's, he said, hey, listen, I, he said, I think God's using it in a great way. Sometimes we don't look at it that way, though. Sometimes we get angry, we begin to fight back, and, but uh, what we've got to realize is that we've got to keep the right spirit. We've got to keep the right attitude. We've got to keep the right testimony for the cause of Christ. Around us, all kinds of things are taking place, and we've got to do that. Don't mistake what I'm saying, though, this morning. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, I'm not preaching about rolling over and, and doing absolutely nothing. I'm not talking about that, and you'll see that in a minute. I'm not talking about just laying back and, and being passive in the face of wickedness and wrongdoing. I'm, that's not what I'm talking about. Paul didn't do that. Paul took a stand. Paul stood up for what was right. Even Jesus Christ, as he went into the, you can go over to Matthew 23, and, and as he went into the, into the temple there and, and he threw over the, the tables of the money changers and he took a cord and he drove them out of there. Out of there. He, said, uh, you, he said, my father's house should be called a house of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves. He was bold in what he did. But what he did was according to the Word of God. And what we've got to realize today that, hey, listen, we've got to maintain a testimony for Jesus Christ in the face of all that's taking place in our world today. Many times, it's, and, and it's not just on, on the political scene, but it's in every other every, every avenue of our lives, whether it be at work and, and, and being a testimony at work or wherever you're at. When you see the things that are going wrong and, and there seems to be nothing that you can do about it. And it seems like when, 
Everything is flipped upside down. And when the scripture like Isaiah 5.20 comes into effect, where Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good, and good evil, that put darkness for light, and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. Otherwise, flip-flopping the thing around from reality. And boy, do we see that today. Calling good evil and evil good and calling that which is just unjust and, and, and the unjust just. We're seeing all that take place in our day and time and seeing that force that direction. It doesn't matter whether it's in the politics or whether it's in, uh, in, 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 at work and, and, and wherever you're at. We're seeing this take place. Our world is changing quickly. All those things become the norm around us. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? What is your spirit and your testimony saying to those that are around you? I'll be honest with you. Can I just be honest with you a moment? You say, I hope you're honest all the time. Well, I'll just be honest right now. I kind of get mad. I kind of get a little angry. I know you all don't do that. I'm just confessing. You know, I, just, I, get, I kind of get a little upset. And I have to grip my teeth sometimes. But there's a right way and there's a wrong way of handling situations. And we want to make sure that we do nothing that will bring shame upon us and on the testimony of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter how bad things get. It doesn't matter what the problem is. It doesn't matter what somebody, it doesn't matter what somebody calls you or says about you. We need to maintain a testimony for Jesus Christ and glorify His name. There in verse 20 it says, according, excuse me, according to my earnest expectation. Listen to what Paul's saying here. Now he's been, he's been abused, been thrown in prison, he's been beaten. I mean, he's faced some difficulties here that, that none of us have ever faced. So according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, See, he said, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to stand for right. But with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. He said, I'm going to keep on going for God. He said, I'm going to keep on doing what's right. You see, Christian, there's more writing on how you act than just your own desires. Sometimes we get so caught up in what we want that it overrides what God wants. It takes over and begins to control. It says we as Christians should be careful of that. Those things which we do in the heat of the moment doesn't bring a spot upon the name of Jesus Christ and on our testimony. I remember several years ago a good godly man that I have had Great respect for over the years. He's gone on to be at the Lord. His name is Brother Clifford Rice. And we used to play softball with our church to play against Brother Clifford Rice's church when, they, when he was pastoring. He went into evangelism later on. And, and we'd play softball against him. We'd, we'd play against a church over at Elsinore and different places around. And we'd have these church softball teams. We'd play one another. Brother Rice pastored there at Calvary in, uh, in Campbell, Missouri. And he was so competitive. He could not stand to lose. And he would get, mm. I mean, he would just burn if, 
I mean, he would hit that ball out there and it would, and I mean, it would be almost a home run and somebody would make that flying catch. I mean, just at the right moment, just barely get it. And you could just see him almost take that bat and break the thing. <laughs> he was so competitive. And, you know, we all laughed about it. We, we had high respect for him and stuff. But we, you know, and he, but he, he just, and some of those guys would do something and he would holler at them. Oh, he'd holler at those ball players. Man, he, what are you? Because you know, he, he wanted to win so bad. He's just highly competitive. We, the next year, we did the same thing we were going to play, and Brother Rice wasn't there. And we said, Brother Rice sick? They said, no, he's not playing. Really? Yeah. He won't even go to the games now. He said it, 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 his flesh was coming out in it so much he just had to quit. <laughs> he, and he said, I'm not going to damage the testimony of Christ over a softball game. You know, it's so easy we get caught up in things. That, whether it's a ball game or, or whether it's politics or whether it's work or whatever it is, or, uh, you know, we, if we're not careful, we can damage the testimony of Christ as a Christian in a few moments. And it's not worth it. Somebody could die and go to hell because we got mad over something like that. We find there that we've got to be careful. You see, Satan would love for you to lose your testimony for Christ. He would love to use your actions and your comments against the cause of Christ and cause the lost to world to not get saved. You see, there's people watching you and me. There's people all around us. They see how you act in the difficult times. They, when things are going good, they don't, take much, they don't take much stock in how you act when things are going good. But when the difficult times come, they take a lot of stock in how you act, Christian. What you say as a Christian. What you do as a Christian. And so Satan is looking for opportunities. Notice what Nathan, the prophet uh, of God, told David after David had sinned and committed adultery with Bathsheba and and uh, had, had her husband Uriah the Hittite had him killed. And we find that God is bringing judgment here. And, and, and David is, is, Nathan the prophet has come to David and he's revealed. He said, God knows your sin. I know your sin. And God's going to bring judgment. And David responds to him here in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12 and verse 13. He says, and David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Because David had confessed it and asked for forgiveness. He says, And thou shalt not die. Because David in the beginning said, Whoever committed this, whatever this, and he had used a parable, uh, uh, shall be put to death. And, but Nathan said, The Lord said, He's not going to kill you. He said, You're not going to die. But I want you to notice what Nathan goes on and tells David here. He says, How be it? Because by this deed thou hast given occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. 
He's saying, listen, because you did this thing, those who looked up to you and that were the enemies of God who didn't believe in the God of Israel have now, because they've seen the blessings of God on your life, they've seen God deliver you in the battles, they've seen all these things, now they're going to scoff and laugh at God. You've given the enemies of God an occasion to blaspheme God. Christian, what can happen sometimes in the heat of the moment when we blow our top or when we say something that we shouldn't say or do something that we shouldn't do, we give an occasion to Satan to grab it up real quick and say, look at what this Christian's doing. Boy, what's the use of being a Christian? What's the use of going to church? What's the use of doing this? And you've given an occasion to the enemy to blaspheme God. So we've got to be cautious what we do and say and how we react to things that are not right can set up an occasion for our enemy, Satan, this world, to bring a reproach upon the name of Christ. I've seen in the news uh, this week different things that they're trying to attack Christians over some of the stuff that's going on and they're, you know, and, and all kind of, and they're trying, and Satan is trying. He's Satan is trying to take because Christians want, we don't want nothing with abortion. And so we don't want, we don't want that type of government in control where they, for the abortion. We don't want the, the, the homosexuality because it's against the word of God. And, and so, uh, yes, we take a stand. But they're looking for every little thing to try to bring a reproach upon the testimony of Christ. So we've got to be cautious. That doesn't mean we don't stand, but we've got to be cautious. We as Christians have a great purpose that we must never forget. Look with me there in verse 21. Paul says, for me to live is Christ. If you don't have that underlined in your Bible, you ought to underline it. For me to live is Christ. We know as a Christian the rest of it, but to die is gain. We know we'll go to heaven. But while we're here, we must remember as a Christian for us to live is about Jesus Christ. It's that we're to live for Him, not for ourselves. We're to lift Him up. Another way of saying it is my life and how I live it, how I communicate it, is to be for Christ in the furtherance of the gospel. That's not just when things are going good. That's when the adversary comes. That's when the difficulties come too. That's when, when, when the, the, the government does, doesn't agree with what we agree with. That's when your ball team uh, doesn't win. That's when uh, whatever it is. That's when uh, the boss is upset because uh, uh, he don't like uh, this or that. We are to maintain the thought that we are to live for Christ. You see, and some people may get upset about this, but I'll explain it. My life as a Christian is not first about me and my comfort. It's first about the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. My life is not first about being politically conservative and my candidates winning. Do I need to repeat that one? It's about living for Jesus Christ. 
My life is not first about being a citizen of the United States. <gasps> no, my life is about my citizenship that's in heaven and about my Savior, Jesus Christ, first. My life is not about being accepted by those around me. It's being accepted by Christ. It's not about my bank account and what I own. But to be honest with you, what I can do for the cause of Christ and which will actually lay up treasures in heaven. It's not about sports and my team winning. It's about souls being saved and lives being changed. My life is to first be about the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel and bringing honor and glory to His name. Matthew 6.33 says, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Do I disagree with those things that I listed there? No, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Hey, listen, I, hey, listen, I think I, I, want, I want to be as politically conservative as I possibly can be. I'm proud to be a citizen of the United States. I'm not looking to change my citizenship. I'm not, I, and I like being accepted by people. And, and, and hey, I, would, I wouldn't mind having a little extra in that bank account. And honestly, I've got sports teams that I root for. I guess the Kansas City's playing today. I hope they win. There's nothing wrong with that, but that's not my first place, folks. My life is about Jesus Christ. To live is Christ. And Christians have lost that. We have put so much emphasis on this life that we forget about the next. As a Christian, our lives are to be in step with the Word of God and the gospel of Christ. Look at verse 27. It says, Oh, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. When, he, when he's talking about the conversation there, that word is not just what you say. But that word conversation, if you look at how it is, what it is, it, it, where it comes from, it is about your manner of life. Everything about you. Not just what you say, but what you do. How you act. Your attitude. He said, only let your conversation, otherwise your way of life be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. So that others can see Jesus Christ in us. That whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in, the, in one spirit. With one mind. And notice what he says. Striving for the faith of the gospel. Striving for the faith of the gospel. You've got to understand this. During Paul's time. During Jesus' time. Rome was in control of everything. Rome was the ruler of the world. And the Israelites in their minds. They thought when the Messiah would come. That he would deliver them from the rulership of Rome. And, and that's why Paul and those that they... And not Paul, but uh, 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 Peter and them, that, that they rebuked Jesus for saying that he was going to die. They was wanting to set up a kingdom. They wanted, you know, politically, they, they had a political ambition in Jesus Christ. And today we've got a political ambitions too. But Jesus Christ said it's not about setting up that kingdom now. He said it's about that souls would be saved. I came to seek and to save that which is lost. 
And so the, 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 influence, the impact there was that the souls would come to know Christ as their Savior. He says, striving together for the faith of the gospel. You see, it's being in step with the Word of God. It's being in step with the gospel, being in step with Jesus Christ. When I was in high school, and I played, uh, or not just high school, but in, in junior high, well, even down in, in grade school, starting grade school, and uh, up through my sophomore year, I played in, in band. And I played a baritone. And uh, we had, like most schools, we had marching band. And so we had to go out and we had to practice uh, because we would have parades. Uh, they had what they called their uh, in Piedmont Torchlight Parade. We'd, we'd, we'd march in that. We went to Cape Girardeau and we marched in the, uh, the big parade that they would have in Cape Girardeau for the college and stuff like that for some of the football teams and stuff. And we would march in those parades and play. And the idea of a marching band is that, uh, oh, you two guys, come here. I'm probably picking the wrong ones. Stand facing this way. Okay, we're going to step out with the right foot first, okay? That's being in step. Now, I've watched a lot of bands now, and I don't know if they just don't teach that anymore. Or what? Okay, you ready? Right foot first, okay? Go. I'm out of step with them. It don't look right. You would get in, we would be, we'd be out there practicing, marching, and, and we had a, a, a Mr. English, he was a little man, just a, a little man, but man, he was like a pit bull. That kid's a turn. Your mama should have pinched your head off when you was just a pup. <laughs> He'd say that. He'd look at you. He'd throw a hand at her. We'd be out marching. He'd say, Hang it, get in step. Jones, get in step. Brinkley, get in step. What's wrong with you people? And he would holler at us to get in step. We got to where we marched in step. Thank you, fellas. To this day, when I see a marching band and they're not in step, I... Mm, <laughs> horrible. But not as horrible it is as it is for Christians to be out of step with the Word of God and with the Gospel and living our lives. You see, it just don't look right when a, a marching band is not in step. It not only don't look right for Christians to be out of step with the Word of God, it's not right. And sometimes we get out of step with the Word of God and we can damage our testimony for the cause of Christ. We must remain in step with the Word of God. Our lives as Christians are to be in, in step or sync with the gospel and the Word of God. We're not to live, act, talk, like, and talk like the, the lost world and the devil. That's why, hey, listen, Christian, you're not, uh, uh, Christian, you're not supposed to cuss. Don't give me this stuff of pardon my French. Because that wasn't in French. As English, and I understood it. I had a guy come in 
store one day, and he uh, over there when I was in, in New Franklin, and come in uh, as I was working at the General, come in, and he had this Christian camp shirt on. He had such and such Christian camp and everything. He come in there and just cussing like crazy, and I wanted to rip that shirt off of him so bad because there were some people, some workers there that I'd been witnessing to and give the gospel to. And for them to see him wearing a, a, a shirt that said, he, it, somebody may have just give it to him and, and he just working it, I don't know. But it, you know, the fact is, is, hey, Christian, we're to be in step with the Word of God. Word of God. And, and so many times we get out of step and it, it damages the testimony of Christ. People are watching to see who, you, who you're in step with. And it affects our testimony. It affects the testimony of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Romans 14, 7 says, For none of us live, liveth unto himself, and no man dieth to himself. Otherwise, your life and my life is affecting somebody else's life all the time. Either for good or for bad. So many are reacting out of fear during these changing times that we're living in. I, I see this. And, and you should not be fearful. Should not be fearful. Paul told those he was writing to in their difficult time not to fear those who oppose you as you live for Christ. Look in verse 28 says, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Your adversary is somebody that wants to do you harm. He said, Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of them. Don't worry about the difficult times. Quit, quit worrying about what, quit, quit, quit worrying about what, what could happen. Think about what God wants you to do. He goes on and says, which is to them an evident token of perdition. Perdition. Otherwise, he's saying, the way that they're living is showing who they are, that they're lost and they're on their way to a devil's hell. What do you expect? He said, that's what, that's what, that's what their life is showing in, in their, them being your adversary and attacking you as a Christian, trying to do right and trying to serve God. He said, they're just showing who they are. He goes on, he says, but to you of salvation and that of God. Otherwise, it's like this. There should be, come here, Blake. There should be a contrast. Let's say, we'll say he's a Christian and I'm the lost world. There should be a great contrast in his life, what he says, what he does compared to the world. He says this world ought to make him look a lot better. The Bible calls the world darkness. The Bible says that we are to be the light of the world. And so as the world gets darker, he ought to shine brighter. And so as I get more wicked, as I attack him, there ought to be a bright light shining from him by the way he conducts his life, by the way he lives, by the way he serves Christ, by his faithfulness to the Bible, by his faithfulness to church, by his faithfulness to the, the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. Even if I attack him, even if I throw him in jail, even if I, what, if I mainline him, even if I say bad things about him, even if I, whatever it is, his actions should remain so that, <clears throat> excuse me, so that my actions look darker. And his actions reveal Christ. 
But here's the problem. Many Christians today, you can't tell the difference. We all... look the same and we all act the same and we all talk the same and we all do the same things Paul says no you be that light you make there be a difference that this world can see Jesus Christ in your life and the way that you conduct your life Their lives are defined by the ways of Satan. This world is this wicked world, but our lives would be defined by our faith and our trust in Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. And this world wants you to fear them. There's a lot of people who are Christians who are wringing their hands right now because of what's taking place in worship. Quit wringing your hands. If you got to do something with your hands, do this. Quit fearing. Start trusting the Lord. Could I read you a couple of verses here that, that even the Lord says, Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For, that, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That alone ought to be enough. But he goes on to the very next verse. And we, many times where he says, For that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. And I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now let me say something there. Didn't say what man could do to me, but what man will do to me. He said, I'm not going to fear it. I'm not going to be afraid of it. Why? Because the Lord's my helper. He's my helper. He's my keeper. It doesn't matter what it is in your life. It doesn't matter what's happening the Lord is your helper. He's your keeper. Uh, Psalms 118.6 says, The Lord is on my side. Woo! Woo! That's good. He's on my side. Well, somebody's got to do it. The Lord's on my side. Have you ever picked teams? Maybe you're going to play a little round of football. You got, you got a Roy Techmeyer standing back over there. And you're picking teams. And you're hoping, man, I hope I get first pick. And as soon as it comes down to your first pick, you say, Roy Techmeyer, right up here. The guy's standing there and he's thinking, oh my. He looks for the next biggest guy. And they're all four foot three. And finally you get down, you divide them up, and there's one left. And you're so confident because you got Roy Techmeyer on your side, said, You can have him. Why? Because you got the big guy. Can I tell you, Christian? You can divide up the teams however you want to divide them up. Just as the Lord, as long as the Lord's on my side. Amen. You can overload the other team and put everybody you want to on the other side. Just as long as I'm on the Lord's side. 
and he's on mine. That verse didn't stop there. It says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man or what, uh, what can man do unto me. He said, you know what? My God's greater than all. And I will not fear. I'm not downplaying what this wicked world may do in, in these changing times. I'm not downplaying that. But there's no need to fear when you're on the Lord's side. As this world pr- proves that, uh, what is in their hearts, Satan's, Satan's in their hearts, villainous is, violence is in their heart, hatred, lying and murdering, we also must prove our trust in the one that, who saved our souls for eternity. By the way he, we live and, and handle the enemies that attacks on us and on the church and on this nation. Okay, preacher. So we need a biblical stand. But how do we do it? And how do we maintain a right testimony and a right spirit and an attitude in the battle before us? Well, first of all, get ready. You ain't going to like this one. First of all, we got to pray for our adversaries. We've got to pray for our adversaries. Look at, uh, in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43, I'll read it. You can look here if you want. Matthew chapter 5 and begin verse 43. It says, Ye have heard that it hath been said that thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Jesus goes on and says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good unto them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Preacher, I'd rather run over them with a car. I understand. That's why I said I'm preaching this for me. I understand. He goes on and says that ye may be the children of your Father, which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, What reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? As a Christian, each of us should know the power of prayer. We're able to touch the hand and the heart of the one that can touch the hand and the heart of anyone. We find in Proverbs chapter 21 verse 1, it says, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. I've been praying for the incoming president and vice president, the leaders in the Senate and in the House. I've been praying they get saved. Praying that the Lord work in their hearts. That then they would begin to lead according to the Word of God and that God would direct their lives and they would do that which is right in the eyes of God. That Hey, what a testimony it would be if Nancy Pelosi would get saved and get up and admit everything and confess Jesus Christ. It, it, I'm, I'm, not trying to be, I'm not trying to be facetious here. I'm just saying, hey, for the honor and glory of Christ. But I also pray, Lord, if they are unwilling, protect your people, reveal the truth, Turn the light on them and reveal all. But I must first pray 
for them to turn to Christ for salvation. And if they refuse, then that God would do what He desires to do in their lives. Secondly, we must stand with the Lord and the Word of God no matter what comes our way and what, or what happens to us. Sometimes you had Christians praying for deliverance and God didn't deliver them and would be praying for uh, that, you know, God would remove those kings that was persecuting them and so forth and God didn't do it, but He protected them and He delivered them out by the judge, by maybe sending a judge or whatever. Secondly, we must stand. Ephesians 6, 10 and 11 says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. He didn't say that the wiles of the devil wouldn't come. He says, you need to be able to stand against those wiles. He said, listen, you don't need to fear them. You just need to be able to stand. He said, put on the whole armor of God. Christian, doesn't matter. it doesn't matter who's in the office. Satan is going to attack no matter what. And we need to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we need to turn our hearts towards Christ and get more serious about the things of God in these last days. We're not to compromise on the truth and righteousness. We can speak out, we can speak up, as long as we do it with the heart of God and and the Word of God. One of the things that probably hurt me and irked me about as much as any of it that's been going on is when Emmanuel Cleaver out of of the state of Missouri, uh, as a state representative, as he prayed supposed to be a preacher, supposed to be a minister. As he prayed and as he closed his prayer, he prayed unto a monotheistic, a monothe- I can't say it, monotheistic God, which means one God that is represented by anything. And he said, and he prayed, that he said that goes by many names, Brahma and God. And then he closed it with a man and a woman. What a damage to the gospel. You say, preacher, what do you think? I don't think the man's saved. We need to pray for his salvation. But you're crossing a line there that I'm not going to back up. There is one God. He is Jehovah God. And you'll never find the name Brahma in that book. He doesn't go by Hare Krishna. He doesn't go by by, by, uh, uh, all these other worldly gods. He's Jehovah God. And my friend, we need to take a stand. We must stand for righteousness for our nation, for our families, for our churches, for our lives. We must stand up. We must do what's right, but we must do it with the right attitude. Then thirdly, we must get the gospel out in these last days. If one soul would get saved, it'd be worth it all for us to stand with and keep a good testimony in the face of evil. The Apostle Paul stood, was thrown in jail. Stephen stood and he, called, he, he preached to them and they got mad because he told them, said, you crucified the Son of God. And they, and they went and, and they gnashed upon him. The Bible says gnashed upon him with their teeth. They said, what's that, preacher? They bit him. 
That's how out of their minds they were because of their sin. Yet he preached the word of God and stood. Yeah, preacher, he got stoned and died too. Yeah, but when he looked up into heaven, Jesus Christ was standing. He saw the Son of God standing. I've thought about that so many times. If you read the scripture, every time you read the scripture and it shows and speaks of Jesus Christ in and that heavenly presence there, basically, with the, the heavenly Father at the throne. He's sitting, do you hear that? He's sitting at the right hand of God. But when Stephen looked up into heaven because he took a stand, did not turn from the truth, and stood for Jesus Christ, Jesus stood up for him and brought him home. Oh, how we need to stand for Jesus Christ. In us, they should see the love of Christ, whether they receive Him or not. That means that if living for the Lord puts us in jeopardy, so be it. Our God is an awesome God. Romans 13, 11 says that, that knowing the time, that now it is time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Hey, it's getting closer. We need to be living for Jesus Christ. Remember, to live is Christ. Even as Job spoke out it, of all of his, in all of his troubles, he said in, in Job 19.25, says, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. We know who's going to win this thing. They can load up the Supreme Court. Guess what? I know who's going to win the battle. They can change all the laws. They can throw the Constitution out the window. They can become a a uh, socialist nation, but I know how it ends. They can throw me in jail. They can stop my speech from being able to preach. They can take my Bible, but I know how it ends. But my friend, the thing that I c I've got to do is that I've got to maintain a godly witness, maintain a testimony for Christ, because I never know who's watching and who might get saved. And honestly, in light of eternity, if just one soul would get saved, it'd be worth anything that I go through and anything you'd go through. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I'm talking about the worst, most wicked person. I would that they would turn to Jesus Christ, confess their sin, ask the Lord to forgive them and come into their heart and life, and that they would get saved. What glory that would bring in honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. They would save a sinner like that. The most wicked, vilest things that we could think of. What we're seeing before our eyes is a spiritual battle. We must fight in the spirit of truth. No, we're not to sit idly by and do nothing. You see, now's the time to shine the light of Jesus Christ as we never have before. I'm not talking. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. There's a lot of debate about what that means. I believe that there is a, a feeling of anger that God can allow us to have against sin. As long as that anger does not consume us. As long as that anger doesn't control us. 
We can be angry at what the devil's doing. We can be angry with, with the fact that the destruction that we see in lives. But oh, how we ought to not allow that anger to take control of our lives and turn into sin. We must maintain that testimony of our coming Savior that the lost might see Jesus Christ and receive Him as Savior. Even suffering for His namesake at times. But listen, we need to let us live for His namesake. Live for His namesake. Yes, it may be suffering at times for His namesake. But we're to live for His namesake. So when the bombarding of all these things begins to happen, and they are happening. Remember, to live is Christ. And we're to maintain that testimony of Jesus Christ. Listen, this morning I didn't preach a salvation message, but what I preached about was so that you might know my Savior. He's that important to me. He is the greatest thing that has ever come into my life. I may not have preached a salvation message, but really what I preached was so that we might get that salvation message to the lost. And if you don't, don't Christ say, that's you. Because I don't want to see anybody die and go to the devil's hell. Receive him this morning. He went to Calvary, died in your place, took your sin upon him and died in your place that you could be saved. The day is gone the night is far spent. Jesus Christ is getting ready to come back for the church. Where will you be? Where will you be? Every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. Father, I thank you for loving us, Lord. And Lord, I pray that, that we would have the right spirit and right attitude. And Lord, that we would maintain a testimony for Jesus Christ. That we would be in step and in sync with the Word of God. Lord, that doesn't mean that we're not to stand up. That doesn't mean that we're not to say what is right. That doesn't mean that we're not to, to take a stand, but we're to do it in the manner and such that, that uh, Jesus Christ will not be, His testimony will not be harmed. We thank You for Your love. We thank You, Lord, that, Lord, we're on Your side. You're on our side. And we don't have to fear man at all. Thank You for Your love and mercy, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed? No one look